Thursday, the 4th of March. I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for the download. Thank you as well to the Abatsi Project, who always uh, welcomes us with his track, Oh, What a Night. On today's show, we'll discuss Tiger Woods, if in fact he can come back after that devastating car crash last week, but more so what he has accomplished in throughout his career, where he ranks amongst the greatest in sports. The Toronto Maple Leafs is on top of the nhl does that even matter brian burke has been named the president of hockey operations for tony's pittsburgh penguins we'll get his reaction and a little bit more as well new york rangers forward artemi panarin has taken a leap of absence after reports of a 2011 assault allegation involving him and a then 18 year old woman while panarin was playing in russia is there a hidden agenda behind all this that and a little bit more on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. So back in the house, I'm really glad to uh, welcome back uh, a couple of dear friends who has uh, been with me uh, pretty much since the beginning of this podcast. Of course, Tony Antonio is a familiar name. Tony, how are you? I'm good, Randy. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. And Dan Legere as well. Dano, how's it going? Hello. Hello. So uh, guys... um, it has been about a week since the uh, ti- since Tiger Woods was involved in a devastating car crash, and wishes has poured out uh, all throughout the world. On Sunday at the WGC, a number of golfers honored Tiger's traditional Sunday red, which Colin uh, Morikawa had won that tournament. It left me to wonder about Tiger throughout his career. Uh, he is tied with the most PGA Tour victories with Sam Snead. He is second amongst major victories with 15, but he's also uh, someone who has suffered a lot of injuries and a lot of issues on and off the course. Um, Dan, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, this is the third time that uh, Tiger has been um, involved in a car accident of uh, quite a significant scale. Despite all of his success, I was wondering if he, in fact, did max out on his legacy, uh, like, given the fact that he did uh, spend a lot of time away from uh, the golf course, uh, that there was uh, personal issues as well. Instead of 15 majors, do you think he could have won more? Do you think he could have been alone as the sole uh, leader in PGA Tour victories and so on? I. In short, no, I think this is going to uh, help his legacy in the long term. I think uh, leaving those unanswered questions as to whether or not they could be the greatest of all time. Uh, you alluded to the Penguins in the, in the opening there. And Mario Lemieux is, is just that person for hockey where uh, had he remained healthy, I argue that he probably would have broken most, if not all of the records that Gretzky now holds. And in golf, the same thing. Should Tiger had not have, um, you know, had his trials away from the golf course 
had he not, uh, you know, had a bad back, had he not, you know, now suffered what is a pretty devastating leg injury or to both legs now, you know, would he have won the most majors? Maybe. And I think that's sort of the fun of his legacy where you'll never be able to know because there was so much drama off away from the court, which raised his celebrity even more than somebody like Jack Nicholas, who, you know, is on paper, is on record anyway, the greatest golfer of all time. But Tiger Woods is way more popular just because of, you know, the scandals and because of the accidents and because of, uh, you know, this is a guy we've watched golf on, uh, on the Jack Parshall or Dick Cavett. I don't know who it was since he was four years old. Right? He's been in our lives forever, seamlessly. Um, and, uh, you know, even, even you can't really even count the guy out now when everybody thought that he was done before with the back surgeries and, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and the scandal with his marriage and then the extramarital affairs and, and all that stuff. He came back and people loved it. So, you know, he, he's probably going to have more support to come back now uh, and get healthy and win another one. Because as soon as the car crash happened, you start seeing on Twitter that people are saying, I can't wait till he wins the next one. Uh, you know, Tiger's going to come back and win the next one. Like this is, this is, he is and is, was, and probably will be for the foreseeable future, the greatest single thing to probably happen to golf. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, where Tiger goes, golf goes with it. And you could see where uh, the, uh, what the ratings look like when Tiger is not participating in an event, uh, you know, it skyrockets when he's a part of it and uh, it drops when uh, he is not a part of it. You did mention about how exciting it would be if he wins an event again. And I do want to come back to that in a moment, but uh, Tony, uh, you and I had a discussion uh, a few weeks ago about uh, the greatest of all greats among sports. Uh, Tiger Woods was definitely amongst that. Uh, but there's also the discussion, and Dan uh, did allude to it before, about, you know, is he in fact the greatest of his sport? There is one other golfer who has won more majors than Jack Nicholas, but uh, Nicholas won in a different time. And in, in your opinion, Tony, where it, I guess, if you want to look at things uh, holistically, in a, uh, first off, where is uh, Tiger in terms of the greatest of all sports? Well, he, I definitely put him on top five over the last 20, 25 years for sure. I mean, he's, he's been a, a focal point, he's, he's transcended the sport. Like, I'm not a golf guy, but I used to watch the Sunday afternoons when he's wearing red. Um, going in for the kill, waiting to win a tournament. So I'm one of those guys who got into golf only with Tiger. And when he was in it, that's it, right? And there's a lot of people like me. So, and he was successful. I mean, he, he won. And I think if he doesn't go through the issues, he's, I think the, the marital issues weren't as devastating to him in terms of winning more championships as the back injury was. I mean, he suffered greatly through those back injuries. I think he probably could have passed Jack by now if it wasn't for the back injuries. Uh, one of my most favorite sporting moments live was the Canadian Open in 2000 in Oakville at Glen Abbey. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. It's the only time I've ever been to a live golf event. Uh, never would have given it a thought had it not been because Tiger was appearing in it. And, you know, my friends and I just had a great time. And what we would do is jump ahead a couple of holes and situate ourselves 
you know, by the green. And then the next two holes, we'd put ourselves in the fairway. And then we, the next two holes, we'd take off and wait until he was teeing off. And so, sorry, this was the final round that you went to? Yeah. 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 It was the final round. Wow. It was the final round. So we, we had great seats for the, um, for the bunker shot on the 18th from 18. Wow. From the 18th. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was just a phenomenal sporting moment and I'm not a golf guy at all. I hate playing it. I hate, I don't watch it, (laughs) but I, and, and the thing that I remembered the most is the amount of flashes that happen when he's around and when he's walking from one, we, we also situated ourselves to be on his path as he walked towards the next hole. I mean, we, we had this planned out great. The guys I went with have been to golf tournaments before. Sure. So they had it planned out beautifully. To watch his focus and his eyes never leave like the peripheral. It was just sure. strictly look straight, keep walking. It was unreal. It was one of the most focused I've ever seen an athlete. It was incredible. It, that stuck with me. And yeah, absolutely. Tiger's I mean, I'm saying past 20, 25 years, but you could easily say he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Well, you know, it's funny. And uh, Dano, I don't know if you're a golfer, but I am. I, uh, you know, especially during the spring and summertime, uh, play quite consistently. I I even play indoors in a winter league uh, during the winter. Didn't do it because of COVID this year. But the smallest thing for a guy like me throws my game off. Like, uh, you know, you were, uh, Tony, you were mentioning about the marital issues and, the, the way I see it is that the smallest thing, it, it just, uh, it can add up and it could be an issue when it comes to uh, a person's golf game. Like you just, the amount of focus that a golfer has to have, I mean, forget about a Joe like me, but you see the galleries with Tiger Woods and the thousands of people that are surrounding him. I mean, there are um, you know, past footage of Tiger walking up to uh, whether it be the 18 hole and you see 20,000 plus people just uh, following him as if he's the uh, the Pied Piper or something. But uh, it, it just uh, it just really just uh, went to show how uh, how uh, focused he was. And I mean, I, I do think that uh, both of them did go hand in hand, both the in- injuries and the um and the personal issues as well. I, as you guys were saying, uh, you know, Tiger Woods is uh, definitely one of the greatest uh, of of the sport. And if I, if I can jump in for a second, yeah. I think situations like that humble a person all the time, for sure. I mean, prior to what happened to him in, in I guess it was two thousand and nine. Um, you know, he was he was the Teflon Don. He was untouchable. He was the great Tiger Woods. I apparently he became a lot more likable too when he came back a humble guy he was a little more dressing room orientated had uh, had some more time to hang out with the guys and stuff he he became a more likable force uh, force became a more likable dude which I think why you see all this outpouring from golfers everywhere the gesture yesterday in the final round of whatever tournament was going on when everybody was wearing red uh I think it goes to show you that he managed to kind of uh, repair himself. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that uh, is part of the fact that uh, a veteran golfer, you know, he had been there, done that. And, you know, maybe like an Alex Rodriguez as well, who uh, 
was pretty snarly apparently when he was younger and now that uh, he's uh, retired and in broadcasting apparently is a more palatable guy. Uh, Dan, you did bring it up uh, in terms of when uh, Tiger wins that tournament again, uh, you know, how exciting it would be. Apparently the injuries are quite severe. And I, when the, when it first came out about this car accident, I was in fact wondering, I think a lot of us were, if in fact Tiger was going to make it, it does appear that uh, he is um, on the road to recovery. Uh, if you want to call it that, but the injuries are quite severe. Do you Dan actually think he might come not only come back and play again, but could even win. No, no, there, there's no way. If you want to talk about a guy who's, you know, even though we're, we're talking about his foibles and his, uh, his bad luck, you know, think about the fortune in this guy's life. Like how many times could he possibly roll another seven? I'm not a craps player. So I don't know if that analogy. Makes <laughs> I think seven <laughs> is a good thing. Is it? Okay. okay. <laughs> I think so. And, and even through all of these, like really, you know, really bad things that, you know, may have uh, swallowed up somebody's career or, you know, really mess with their mind or, um, you know, change the person who they are for him to be able to bounce back as much as he has, you know, is, is a testament to his good luck and fortune. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe it has a lot to do with his upbringing. I'm not sure if you guys saw the, uh, saw the documentary on HBO, but this guy was, he was raised like a machine. He was raised like a robot to, um, you know, even as far as handling the press at four, five, six years old. So, you know, he really, from what I understand anyway, obviously I don't know, but he seemed to have struggled to find himself. And maybe that's why he made some of the mistakes he did. But like Tony said, you know, he's, he's, he's stuck with it long enough. He, uh, you know, he, he's, he's found, he's found a way to be himself without, you know, maybe being, a prick or overly competitive with some of the other guys and managed to be more of a team player. Uh, you know, he seems to have a, a real good bond with his, uh, with his son who, you know, who looks just as good as he does on the golf course. Um, so, you know, I, I wish him well in his recovery. Um, but uh, as somebody who, you know, can maybe use some of that luck, I think, I think he's used up uh, his, his allotment for, for one lifetime. And, um, you know, I look forward to him just being an elder statesman and a, and a great, um, I don't know, spokesperson for the league moving forward. And I don't see him ever being a champion ever again. Well, uh, it was uh, 2019 when Tiger Woods uh, came back to win the Masters. And uh, who knows, uh, maybe he could have a mark on the uh, Champions, uh, Champions Tour. Uh, you know, it's amazing. The uh, golfers that are now a part of the Champions Tour, Mike Weir uh, was close to winning a tournament uh, for the first time in a while. But you know, could Tiger come back to any degree, maybe in the Champions Tour? That remains to be seen. Guys, we'll uh, flip over to hockey now. And don't look now, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are tops in the NHL. They, uh, of course, the uh, schedule has adopted a new format in light of COVID-19. This obviously is a relatively small sample size with uh, each team playing uh, within their own division. Uh Dan, with the Leafs or any team for that matter, does it matter where uh, the Leafs make make it in the uh, in the division as the regular season concludes? Uh, like, is this uh, something to be excited about at all? Uh, well, yes and no. It is something to be excited about because they're they seem to be a really good team. But 
I'll throw the, the big butt there where the rest of the Canadian division is not necessarily stacked with powerhouse teams. So Toronto is either really good and looks like they're poised to break their Stanley cup curse, or they're going to get their asses handed to them the second they play somebody <laughs> outside of the Canadian division. So I don't know, like you, if you look at, you know, even Edmonton's second place in the Canadian division now, Montreal third. Uh, you look at those teams and compare them to, um, you know, in, in the background now, um, I'm watching um, a game, I'm not sure if it's live or not, uh, but it's uh, Florida and Carolina. Two fast, big teams, cycle the puck, hard hitting, uh, you know, smart defensive teams with good goaltending. You know, could Toronto win a seven game series against either of these two teams? Maybe. But uh, is it, uh, can you fairly assess them and their success so far? Uh, league-wide anyway, I don't know. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, maybe that's just the leap enemy always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, but uh, they're definitely fun to watch. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they maintain and, and see through to their – shit, I don't even remember the last time they won a president's trophy. I don't have that stat in front of me. Oh, man. That would be – it, it, it would wow. be fun to see. But also, uh, you know, we all know that president's trophy winner does not necessarily make a Stanley Cup champion. Well, and actually to that, because the President's Trophy uh, uh, was introduced in 85. I'm so, thinking never. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. So never. It, it was uh, 1985 where the President's Trophy was introduced and uh, eight teams who won the President's Trophy won the cup. Seven teams won the President's Trophy, but lost in the first round of the playoffs. So even in normal circumstances, uh, it doesn't really... Uh, uh, mean a heck of a lot. Tony, I remember having a discussion with you as you were working in the NHL bubble. Mm-hmm. We had uh, both agreed how difficult the uh, past NHL season was, uh, which of course the Tampa Bay Lightning won the uh, Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. This year is of course a completely uh, different format and a lesser schedule. Well, how do you compare this season to last season i mean is it still one to uh admire its difficulty or is this one that uh, maybe and because of its circumstances is a little easier and listen i for me i i've said like to take players out of their routine that they're used to and take them out of their element um just the little things they do to prepare themselves and even the going out at night and unwinding at a bar in a restaurant as a team or going out to find a chick or whatever the <laughs> hell, whatever the hell you're into. I mean, these, these things, you know, they help you get through a season and I'm not trying to, you know, have a pity party for a bunch of millionaire hockey players, professional athletes, but it, it matters. It matters to them. It's different. And so, yeah, I, I think there is an element of, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think they're I think you have to give them credit for for getting through these. And they're not getting paid full boat either, right? I mean, they're not getting their full salaries this year. So it's a it's a heavy sacrifice. And it probably sucks not being able to play in front of fans too. I, I'm sure there's just a different there's a different mental makeup of a player when when they're playing in front of fans. So yeah, I still think that what they're going through now is 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 a lot more difficult than a regular season mentally mentally now there's there's opportunities to rest here and there as you know you're not traveling as much you're staying in the city a little bit longer um you just hope you don't 
get to the whole cabin fever thing going. But you know, where the Leafs the Leafs are concerned. Oh, sorry, who was that, Dan? No, no, sorry. Right. No, where the Leafs are concerned is yeah, none of it matters right now. <laughs> if they don't show themselves in the playoffs, and with all due respect to the Canadian division, if they fail to get at least past the first round in this Canadian division as well, then there's major cause for concern for this team. I mean, I think the daggers are going to have to start coming out, getting ready to toss them at Kyle Dubas and start questioning if he's put the right team together. But that's, that's a long way ahead. Their objective right now is to keep playing play as a winning team, play hard, get Austin Matthews healthy, um, hopefully get John Tavares going. There's some concerns there, right? Tavares is not on his game. You never know what you're going to get from Willie Nylander. Um, but, I, you know, the veterans that they added this season seem to be the right mix so far. Yeah, and that was the thing. I think we talked about this in an early episode where this team, before the season started on paper, you know, it seems great, but you, you built your entire bottom six essentially through free agency, which I don't know has ever been done before on a championship team. And you took a lot of risk on a guy like Thornton and a guy like Simmons who, you know, had uh, past success, but aren't the same players they are now. So, um, you know, and they both, all, yeah. And they, really. and, they, and they both haven't been able to stay healthy either. So that's something to, yeah, I know. to watch they're out for. Everyone. Yeah. Down sure. the stretch. Yeah. 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 They're unhealthy at, at the wrong time. You know, and Willie goes cold for a week, then, you know, your seven-game series is uh, is over. Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see. And, and I think Lee fans agree where if you look at this team objectively, and I, and I mean this sincerely, not, not as a, like a true blue Lee fan, but the core of this team, if they were to win a cup anywhere between, let's say, last year and, you know, five years, you wouldn't be surprised. But it would matter if the guys that they brought in to be those big players, either on one- or two-year contracts, can gel and can actually make a difference where you can bring in Jimmy DC's all day long, but if they shit the bed, they're not going to, you know, you're obviously not going to win. So you need a little bit of luck uh, and a little bit of uh, good health and good fortune. You need Anderson to obviously be, you know, on his game come playoff time. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely fun to watch in a city where we've been starved for, for this team to do well for a long, long time. But I was going to ask you guys, Tony, you brought up, you know, it, it made me think. Um, you talk about the players being more rested, staying in cities longer, and it's, it's almost like a baseball model where you're having these short, you know, three, four, in, you know, in, in the case of uh, Arizona and or Phoenix and what the hell they call now? The Arizona. No, they're Arizona Lewis. now. I mean, yeah. Arizona and St. Louis, where you play seven games in a row. You know, <laughs> could that be looking forward, you know, to, to see every team once in your home barn versus, you know, heavy, heavily fought out divisional rivalries for a short series throughout the year. Could that be a model where the NHL might gravitate to? Could be more cost effective? Could, uh, you know, raise um, that, that competitiveness that they're trying to achieve in the playoffs where you're playing the same team all the time, except moving it to the regular season? Or does that water it down where, you know, the, the Jays and the Yankees playing is still a big deal, but it's not as a big deal because it happens five, six, seven times during the year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you want to risk the overload and, 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 and just getting sick of watching the same teams play. I don't know if the, the players would necessarily agree to that. Like if it's a regular year, I think they want their California road trips. I think they want their Florida trips for the same reasons I mentioned earlier. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> the check, the checks part. <laughs> and, and the going out as a team, Dan, uh, Randy. Yeah, of uh, course. And, and enjoying a nice steak dinner. Right. Is um, that what they're calling it? <laughs> I, you know what? Part of me says that would be kind of cool, but then I think it would probably get kind of bleh. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, the NBA, the NBA has uh, done it uh, as well. And of course they have a 72 games uh, schedule and uh, Raptors. Uh, well, of course, uh, teams in the NBA are playing each other, you know, multiple times at the same time. Uh, they just finished up a, I think a two gamer against uh, Philly. And I think, uh, I think Dan might be onto something, especially when it comes to uh, within your division, uh, say whether it is a home and home or two games in um uh, Toronto and uh, against Montreal, then you go back to uh, Bell Center for uh, two games over that way. Uh, how many times do uh, teams like Toronto and Montreal, like within your division, you're playing each other six times, right? Yes. Six In times. So, yeah. So, I mean, whether uh, four might be a little too much or if they do have like a, like a cluster of three games amongst uh, division uh, divisional teams, that's something that I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it saves a, a heck of a lot in terms of travel. That, that would be, that, I mean, that would be a huge factor for, for owners and stuff. But again, I, I think the players would have to uh, sign off, you know, players over here on the East, not being able to hit a, somebody get shot, uh, not being able to, um, to hit the West coast trips and hit California and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I would imagine that you would slowly start migrating back towards, we need to have those interdivisional games and those, uh, so, so let's send the Leafs out for a West Coast trip once every two years or whatever. But I'm just thinking because it, it, it's, it's not as bad as I thought this season would be schedule-wise. No, like yeah. it's, it's still it's, – it's pretty fun to watch these teams have these uh, short series. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it could be something that they think to do. And well, you know I, what? O- ownership out in Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, uh, Edmonton, they would love to see the Leafs out there a few more. A few more home dates, right? Sure. Uh, and I, I guess uh, uh, conference versus conference, of course, uh, basketball and um, basketball and hockey are uh, divided by geography. But I wonder if there is something where they do a conference where it's uh, north versus south. Like if there is like a, say, a uh, geographic split in the middle where – we can see Vancouver and Calgary and uh, you know, Toronto and Montreal can go uh, to the West coast more often. Uh, you think of the NFL where they have uh, both a North, South and East division. And uh, you know, within your conference, you know, you have all four, you know, uh, uh, in terms of North, South, East, West, but of course you don't see uh, you don't play uh, every team as much as you do in say ba- basketball and hockey. But I wonder if there is something. Of course, having said that, that would be a heck of a lot more travel than what there used to before. So, yeah, not if you not. I guess not if you find a way to keep them out there for for a certain stretch. Maybe yeah. have them out there and play a couple of games. I mean, yeah, it would be in an in like an unbalanced schedule too. So, I don't know. I don't know. And everybody seems to be split on that. So people like this, but I think. Um, when push comes to shove, like I said, I think the players would probably prefer, even though they always hear, oh, travel's daunting on us. And so I think, I think you just, they would rather spend a little more time away. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps, especially when you're in a pressure cooker like Bell Center, like uh, 
Scotiabank and uh, United Center. Uh, you know, there is a lot of pressure playing at home. But uh, very quickly, Tony, love to uh, get your thoughts on uh, your uh, the team that uh, is near and dear to yourself, the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> they have hired Brian Burke as president of hockey operations. Ron Hextall is general manager. Um, good move. Is it? I, yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, okay with both guys hiring. I, there's going to be tough decisions to be made for this team. I mean, the window, like Brian Burke said, is essentially shut. It, it'll be difficult for them to squeeze that other cup out as they're constructed right now. Um, the tough decisions to be made will center around Evgeny Malkin and Chris uh, Latang. What's the future going to be with them? I, you know, I happen to think that if you are going to try and win another Stanley Cup, and having your top two centermen over 34 years old and your number one defenseman who has been very average the last few years at 33, it's going to be tough sledding. So I think Berkey's there to have the conversations that need to be had, the tough decisions. But, you know, listen, I like Ron Hextall. I like the fact that he's brought in his, uh, his, uh, his right-hand man to be director of player personnel over the last couple of days, Chris Pryor. They've got their fingerprints all over um, the good things you see coming out of Philly right now, they, they've drafted really well. And um, that, that's going to be the key if there's another chance for this team to, to get one more cup under the Sidney Crosby era. Well, I, I, I just wonder uh, as well. And I, yeah, it's been 15 years since uh, Brian Burke won a cup in Anaheim. And mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he uh, had a stop in Toronto. He had a stop in Calgary. He's been to a number of teams uh, throughout his career. When does the Brian Burke experiment stop? And I, I, I guess to that, why is it that a, a former NHL player has a job as responsible with the responsibility of president of hockey operations? I, I, I am wondering, and I, I don't know if... Uh, this is fair to ask uh, you guys, uh, but I am wondering if that is meant for a former hockey player. Is there value of saying a analytical mind uh, taking that kind well, of responsibility? Brian Burke is, he was a hockey player like long time ago. Brian Burke is a lawyer. He's an agent. He's a businessman. Mm -hmm. He's got yeah. contacts in the league that, none of us know about and i think that's why you hire guys like that because they have the connections for things that are needed certain conversations that need to be had but you know uh sorry tony you take uh you take the education that brian burke has had and that's completely valid president of uh hockey ops for toronto is brendan shanahan so i mean what kind of uh education is is um would he have well you can make you can make an argument that he's you know as to why you hired him for the job, right? Like, right, sure. Some, some, some sure. people say he's just the hell of a politician and he got himself into a good spot. You know, um, I'll tell you a story quickly about Shani. He's a very thorough guy uh, from all intents and purposes. I have a colleague who, who you know, serves a lot of coffee and, and, and water and whatever to uh, whenever there's little board meetings or hockey op meetings. And, and, and they say he's, he's a very thorough guy. Like he, he delegates everybody's job. He does a really good job. I saw him at a Marley's game one year. This was just after they traded Dion Phaneuf. He stopped, took a picture that was at the Rico Coliseum of Dion Phaneuf, 
fired it off right away. And I'm pretty sure it was to like, Hey, you guys forgot to take this picture down, get it down and get it the hell out of here. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, we just don't know what it's like behind the scenes, but I don't think Brian Burke is there to shape the hockey team. I think he's just there to be someone to bounce things off of. I mean, there was no intention on hiring. It was Mary Lemieux who said, by the way, what the hell are you doing? Right. Why don't you come and help us out here and see what's, what needs to be done. And, you know, there, there was no plans on hiring a president of hockey operations. So, um, I, you know, I think you should focus on Ron Hextall and the job he's going to do. I think the objective is to try and stockpile this team, get them a little younger, a little faster, a little more talented as quickly as possible over the next couple of years, including, you know, it means you got to find some gems and whatever, but you know what guys, I don't mean to brag, but it's the price of winning. When you got three Stanley cups over a decade, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to take a hit. This is the time where they're on the other end of the slope. So Poor guy, look at it. And yeah. like you're puffing your chest out as you're uh, bringing this up. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not disappointed. They are what they are right now. They're an average hockey team. I know it, but I, you know, the true mark of a fan is being with them while they're down. Oh, I could not agree more. You know I, I mean? could not agree more. I mean, uh, especially with the Raptors, everybody was so captivated. My, I had certain family and friends who were all about the Raptors, especially during the run and uh, especially during this part of this season. Uh, yeah, they uh, they went away. But uh, Dan, oh, very quickly, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, if you owned a hockey team, you're looking for a president, would you rather have somebody with a hockey background or – do you think there might be uh, some value to having uh, some education and intelligence to lead your team? Well, obviously you would want the, the perfect combination of both having that hockey IQ and just kind of, you know, that those intangibles that you can't really teach of just being around the game and, you know, knowing sort of the finer points or even understanding how other people in the game think and feel and react. Those are all valuable to, to bring outside of uh, a law degree or something like that. But, you know, in the organizations I've worked even, and I know that they're not uh, MLSC or, you know, I'm, I'm not on a big sports team, but a president in any position, you can even argue in politics, prime, prime ministers and, and, and presidents is where it's, it's more valuable to be somebody who can be seen as um, likable for one, someone who, uh, you know, knows the game well enough that they can put the right people in the right position. Like as Brian Burke, as uh, president of hockey operations, if he can find the right player development coach, or if he can find the right skating coach uh, and he can bring him in just through his connections or through his knowledge of the, of the game, I think that'll go a lot, a lot longer, or a lot further than, um, you know, him trying to determine how much a hot dog should be sold for in the concession stand, you know, when, when we get back to there. So by all accounts, you know, when Berkey left Sportsnet, you know, everybody said what a great team player he was, you know, maybe even to the surprise of a lot of people where they liked having him around and they felt he was somebody that they can learn from and they can ask questions to and, uh, and they can, you know, feel comfortable growing around them and not feel threatened by them. I think, uh, you know, if he can bring those traits to the Penguins and, you know, and with a great general manager or, you know, maybe even unproven still at this point, but definitely uh, another hockey mind like Hextall. Maybe uh, maybe the two guys and, and their truculence can, uh, you know, pull some magic out of their ass or, or who knows. But uh, they, they, as far as a president role, Shanahan, same thing. He's a likable guy. He seems like he cares. 
And I think, uh, and I think that goes further than having, you know, um, an IQ of a uh, mental level. Yeah. What will the Penguins look like uh, post Malkin, post Crosby, post Latang? Remains to be seen. So uh, Dano did bring up uh, politics as uh, more instances, guys, of athletes and whether they should voice their political views has made headlines as star forward Artemi Panarin for the New York Rangers is away from the team after a story surfaced of him assaulting allegedly an 18-year-old woman at the time while Panarin was playing in the KHL back in 2011. The twist uh, comes as Panarin has posted uh, his support of Russian opposition leader Alexander Navalny on his social media, while the apparent whistleblower was his former coach and former NHLer Andre Nazarov, who is a supporter apparently of current leader Vladimir Putin. So, guys, uh, knowing that both of you are uh, soccer fans as well, uh, there was also a story that star for, uh, star striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic called out LeBron James for LeBron's. Uh, talking about his uh, political views and that uh, Zlatan thinks LeBron should stick to sports. Uh, Dan, what say you? Uh, should athletes take a stand? I, I know that we did talk about this before, but does Zlatan have a point? Uh, is there uh, is there more to uh, um, what we had originally discussed, the three of us, once upon a time? I mean, should athletes take a stand when it comes to politics? Should they? No, there should be no obligation for them to. But if should they want to, yeah, of course they should be able to. I don't understand guys like Ibrahimovic who say, you know, essentially he's saying just because you play a sport, you can't have an opinion on being a human being. You can't have an opinion on your political leaders or what's happening in the world around you. Like, where does that stop? Should musicians not have political opinions? Should doctors? Should you know, communications or marketing people? You know, we can use that argument against ourselves. We're not in sports media. We don't work in sports. Who the fuck are we to have opinions on sports? We should just shut up and do our jobs. So I, I disagree with, you know, if, if any player, any musician, let's just stick with sports because we're talking about sports. If any player wants to use their platform, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly to say what they believe, they should say it. And I don't care if it's, uh, you know, not what they're experts in or not what they're trained in um you know it, but like we talked about in a previous episode as well where what whatever your political leanings are you know you need to understand that you work for somebody you work for a corporation especially if you're an athlete and if your bosses don't like your opinion you could you know put yourself in harm's way you know tony d'angelo exhibit exhibit eight and maybe you know his his story is a little bit weirder because there's speculation he's setting up uh, fake Twitter accounts and he's, you know, doing the whole thing where he's praising himself and arguing with people who are bad mouthing him. Right. So maybe he's, you know, he's gone a little bit. He's become a distraction <laughs> for other reasons. But Brian Colangelo's wife. Yeah. Right. <laughs> saying that you can't say those things. No, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, it, it could backfire. You could have egg on your face at the end of the day, but just because Ebra doesn't want to get involved in politics doesn't mean that Tom Brady or, you know, LeBron James or, Dale Earnhardt Jr. can't. 
So, uh, Tony, I don't know if you want to answer specifically to Dan, but I, I did want to ask you, and, you know, I have to say that I really took to admire Zlatan Ibrahimovic, especially uh, when he was playing in MLS. I'm not a, when it comes to club football, I'm not really into it other than Toronto FC and uh, what Zlatan did for uh, the Galaxy, uh, you know, really blew my mind. But, you know, he was just so out there and he, he was rather boastful of how, uh, how great a player he was. And, and I loved it, but here he comes, says that LeBron should uh, not uh, take part in the political discussion. Uh, I, I wanted, I did want to ask, uh, is Latin justified in calling out LeBron James, somebody that he does not, uh, uh, you know, cross paths with that he's not uh, in a similar sporting capacity? Um. Well, just like LeBron has the freedom to say whatever the hell he wants, Eber, if that if that's how Eber feels, that's how he feels. I mean, I disagree with him too. Uh, you know, just because LeBron James is a basketball player doesn't mean he can't have his opinions. Maybe Ibra misspoke. Maybe Ibra should have been really honest and say, well, I see through his bullshit and that's why I don't think he should be talking because, you know, the freedom of speech is that's what it's all about. You say what you feel, but I have, you know, the freedom to disagree with the things LeBron talks about and stands for. And quite frankly, disappointing how divisive he's become, you know, politics and sports never bothered me in the past. Um, like it never stopped me from watching games. Like, a, you know, like there's a Turkish guy playing for AC Milan and I love him. And I'm not going to look at him any differently because he's Turkish and he's, you know, against the Greeks or anything like that. I, I never looked at it like that. But the problem now these days are because it's so one-sided in where you're supposed to stand politically and socially, and that any attempt from the other end to come, you know, that person like D'Angelo, you know, that person gets ostracized. He gets castrated, you know, and I think that's why we need to see less politics in sports now, not because these guys should shut up and dribble. It's but because the narrative is so one-sided that anybody who comes with an alternate opinion and, and you're dead, you're dead. You know, if you're not coming with the left-wing narrative these days and the systemic racism and, you know, the Black Lives Matter, if you're not coming in support of that stuff these days, if you offer just the, the slight bit of alternative it's that's that's where the difficulty comes. And I think that's why people are sick of it. Mm. I think that's why you're seeing ratings fall and stuff, because it's it's the hypocrisy of it. You know, when LeBron James tells you he will never stop talking about things that you know aren't right, you're bullshitting because there are things you won't comment on that aren't right. So don't tell me it's whatever your narrative is. So, I, you know, but continue I think, to I, you I, know, I think. I think that uh, what, sorry. what I, sorry, I just want, all I'm saying is that the problem with politics these days is that it's so one-sided and it has to come from one point of view because anybody else trying to speak up against, you know, having an alternative thought, it, it's not good news for them. And that's why it's become so divisive. And we keep forgetting sports fan aren't all sports fans. Aren't all liberals. They're not all Democrats. Sure. You know, they're not all leaning left. Hey, there are Trump supporters. There are, you know, people who like Republicans still, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Dan, uh, like you mentioned, 
a guy who's speaking up for, you, you know, the kind of like the democratic narratives right now, they're not losing their jobs. I got news for you. But the guy who might step up and well, say something. I mean, you could tell that, to call, I mean, tell that to Colin Kaepernick, right? What do you mean? Well, Colin Kaepernick is uh, definitely not a right, <laughs> right-leaning guy. So, I mean, uh, you know. I, I, I said, I said right now, I, I wasn't talking about uh, four or five. I wasn't talking about four or five years ago. I'm talking about today, 2020, as, as it's constructed. If Colin Kaepernick was doing this stuff now, like what he did five, six years ago, he, he, I mean, if he wanted to stay in the league as a backup, he'd still be in the league. Well, but let's I, face it. No, know, well, I mean, uh, okay, but uh, okay. So to that, uh, you know, he, what Colin you know, Kaepernick he, he was did, he was essentially he was essentially in the process of losing his job when he decided to take a knee. I mean, he well, had not I, I don't been know the if same. I, I, I mean, honestly, I would honestly think, okay, so you have 32 teams in the NFL, three quarterbacks a team. That means that there's 96 quarterbacks under contract in the NFL. I have a really hard time to think that Colin Kaepernick after his, let's say he didn't take the knee, uh, his contract ends in uh, San Francisco. I have a really hard time to think that Colin Kaepernick would not get a job if he didn't take the knee after his contract finishes in San Francisco. Well, he had a couple of offers though. He did like, he did have a couple of opportunities to get back in the game, but he wasn't going to do it under the, the, you know, I'm coming in to try and earn a spot on the team. Right. You know, he was essentially losing his job in I'm not saying that what he did wasn't the reason why he was teams don't want that on their teams. Don't want that kind of trouble. Like owners don't want that kind of trouble. And, and again, we're talking about what, five, six years ago, it was a little different. If he was doing that now, he'd probably be a, you know, a, a hero. Right. I mean, okay. And, so and actually, guys... actually since then he's redeemed himself by getting, a beautiful contract from Netflix, a beautiful contract from Disney plus Nike sure. threw a bunch of money at him. So, you know, he, he doesn't need football anymore, but what okay. I'm talking about is right now, right now, the politics right now, as it's where we're at right now as a society. Yeah, it would, it, it, it's difficult. It's a diff, it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult situation. It's not, it's not as simple as you're entitled to your opinion. That's fine. Let's keep playing, right? Look what they did to Drew Brees when he stepped up and spoke up and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand for the national anthem because I respect my country. I respect my this and that. He got obliterated, obliterated. Right. And he, end, and he ended up apologizing like a little bitch. But anyway. Okay. So he apologized, <laughs> but I mean, like he didn't get kicked out of the league. Right. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you want to uh, go into this uh, further. And, uh, but, uh, no. you know, you talk about, uh, you talk about, owners not wanting the trouble you take a look at antonio brown who uh you know had all of these uh, allegations of assault and sexual assault and i can't keep track uh kareem hunt was with the uh kansas city chiefs he uh was seen uh you know uppercutting a woman uh at a cleveland hotel i think it was and then he got released he got picked up by uh the browns and uh roberto osuna here in toronto uh, you know, he had uh, an issue with his uh, girlfriend, won a World Series with the uh, the Astros. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I would as an owner, I would never have any of those guys on my team. But I, sure. Yeah. OK, uh, valid. And I think that there might be something to uh, the, what the league can do in terms of if a team has to uh, release a guy because of conduct uh, detrimental, he can't pick up and sign with uh, another team. 
uh, such as uh, Osuna, Hunt, Brown, and uh, you could think of uh, any next guy. But I, I really wonder if there is something to, let's say that instead of Trump being the uh, leader of the Republican Party, if there was something uh, about Bush, like uh, George W. Bush, if he was the leader of the Republican Party, you think of, I mean, obviously there was a, a time where there was still, you know, there was a still a tilt in terms of uh, black versus white. Uh, I mean, if you guys do want to believe that or not, I mean, I think that, I think definitely the move, a needle has uh, changed, uh, has moved over the past little while. I think it did, in fact, start with a guy like Kaepernick. And uh, with, uh, all things that consider George Floyd, you think of, uh, you know, all, all these other instances, Breonna Taylor, that there is something that you really have to wonder why somebody would be against Black Lives Matter. I, I, you know, it's, it's not just a simple, you are racist because you don't follow Black Lives Matter. There is obviously a whole uh, list of reasons why um, you know, people, Republicans, whoever don't want to, uh, don't support that narrative. But I think that it is, and I believe me, I have, I have members of my own family who are Trump supporters and I am a first generation Canadian whose parents immigrated from Sri Lanka. So, uh, obviously, uh, this is not, uh, simply just black versus white. This is, you know, uh, social values versus social values. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's a lot. It's very easy to say uh, you're a racist because you don't support Black Lives Matter or whatever the movement is. But it's a very yeah, you're, polarizing I, topic. I, I agree with you 100%. It is very easy to say that. And that's why people would prefer keeping their mush, mouth shut these days. Mouths shut these days, right? It is easy. And it's not about not... It's not about not recognizing... You know, I didn't even want to make this an issue of racism. I'm just talking about, you know, silly narratives and sometimes dishonest and disingenuous narratives that LeBron James spills out sometimes and, and nobody questions him. And that's all I'm saying. Um, but, but talking politics these days, as you can see, it has a tendency to be a lot more divisive and a lot less likely to get resolved than what it used to be once upon a time. And I'm not saying guys get fired and canceled in the NFL for, I mean, look at Tom Brady. He's a, he's obviously a friend of Donald Trump's. We know that um, he, he did have a mega hat in his locker room once upon a time, but he's an untouchable guy. You know, you can't touch the goat. So, you know, he gets a free pass. But um, um, the, the point, it doesn't matter where you lie. It's just, but you just said it yourself. What's wrong. I mean, what's the big problem with supporting black lives matter. You're looking at those words, Black Lives Matter. It's semantics. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, we want, you know, a beautiful world of equality. It's, it's the group. You understand? It's the group. That's what, that's what some people have a problem with, what they stand for, what they believe in, what their agenda is, right? I mean, that's a totally different show. I'm, I, you know, and we, we could have a show specifically on that one day, but that's you're playing semantics with me. You're using the words Black Lives Matter and saying, what's wrong with not believing in that? Well, of course, everybody believes Black Lives Matter. We, yeah, we, we do want that. Um, 
do, of course but do they, they though? But, but but Tony, do they? I mean, honestly, like who, LA, first of think, all, who's you, they? Who, when you say they, who's they? The people right. who uh, the people who are say uh, at the uh, head of the uh, board uh, boardroom who are or sitting at the front of the table where uh, there is a uh, discrepancy in terms of uh, not only blacks but certain minorities. When uh, like take a look at the uh, at uh, the NBA where. Uh, like I think there is uh, seven NBA coaches who are either black or visible minority. I, I think, can't think, I of think six now. The Atlanta guy got fired today. Oh, he did. He? Um, oh, okay. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, uh, um, but well, I, I think that uh, like in terms of a sports here. perspective, uh, how many uh, how many NFL coaches in a league that, uh, from what I could see, is either majority not majority black but i mean like definitely is if it's close to 50 50 uh uh in terms of black versus white or minority versus white why is it that so many co- like uh, there are so few coaches who are minority head, head coaches uh, right yeah head coaches right yeah. so you know you think of al davis uh he, he was um for all of the uh i guess black marks that he did have and i use that term uh you know poorly <laughs> But, uh, you know, one of the first coaches that he uh, hired was Art Shell, uh, a black coach. And uh, it's hard to it's hard to single out who they are, but they do exist. If you're talking about if you're talking about rich, white, elite dudes. okay, I got news for you. They don't care about you. They don't give a shit about nobody like me. And they don't give a shit about nobody like Dan. All right. That's an elitist thing. You know, I, so I don't okay. think that's a systemic racist thing, right? These are elite, old, rich, white dudes. They don't give a shit about anybody who doesn't have money, right? Like it's it's they're not we're not worth their time. But I, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I think you know. uh, where I uh, where I do uh, see a discrepancy in what you just said is that these elite, rich, white dudes do need to uh have people get them to the top whether it be directors managers support staff and so on and there has been a clear lack of minority representation i mean you think about the rooney rule when it comes to sports where uh, blacks and uh, minorities uh, have to be interviewed when coaching vacancies get filled. It blows mm-hmm. my mind that a guy like Cito Gaston, who wins two World Series here in Toronto, doesn't get an opportunity to coach uh, and manage a big league team after Toronto. And the time that he did get hired was back again in Toronto so many years later. You could say the same thing about Ted Nolan. Uh, you know, uh, the 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 uh, arguments were is that, you know, he was uh, getting it on with uh, players' wives and he showed up drunk and so on. I mean, I, I don't know. That that just seems like, so, like I obviously wasn't there, but you're going to tell me that I, uh, this is a guy who uh, had an issue with uh, John Muckler, who had an issue with Dominic Hasek, and that, you know, that he's going to show up tanked and banging uh, players' wives. I mean, I, that just sounds way too easy. Dan, uh, you've been uh, you've been quiet yeah, this sorry. entire time. <laughs> Speak up, Dan. <laughs> I don't know, I know if this you... is something you want to chime in on. I, I know that you are passionate about uh, social views and so on. Yeah, of course. It, it, but it, it's so difficult the way that we're approaching this because these are all 
in the grand scheme of things, they're all small incidences, right? The Kaepernick story took hold of the uh, the American uh, psyche or, or got a hold of them and, and made them interested in that story and, and, it, and it had legs, so it, it carried out for a while. Uh, and he's a guy, Tony, where, you know, without him, maybe guys would still be losing their jobs today. I don't know. But, but what I'm saying is, you know, we could talk about Cito Gaston or Ted Nolan or anybody else who, um, you know, may or may not have been the victim of, um, you know, racial injustices or, you know, even religious injustices or whatever it is. Um, but generally, you know, the question that started this conversation was <clears throat> a, a very um, prominent, very skilled European athlete told an American athlete to mind his business when it comes to politics. He said, you know, essentially you've got, you got no, no voice here. You shouldn't be saying anything, but can you imagine, you know, if Sweden was in the middle of a civil war and, and Ibrahimovic was on the side of, we don't want our police stomping on, um, you know, or, or we don't want them killing a certain segment of our population unnecessarily. They're, they seem to be targeting this one or two groups. And LeBron told Ibra to, you know, essentially shut his mouth and, you know, just put the ball in the back of the net. I don't see how that serves anybody. Uh, and, and whether or not you agree with LeBron's politics, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be against what he's saying. And, and, the, and the top message is whether or not, you know, he says something wrong here or there, or he's, he's hypocritical about certain things, or, you know, he's, he's inconsistent in his messaging. I think that's less important because, again, he's, he's, a, he's a human being. He's a dude who happened to, you know, be blessed with um, the skill to be one of the best players to ever put a basketball through. A Hang hole. on. How, how, right? can the, how can the inconsistency in your message – that's careless stuff. How can that be less important? If you're careless in the way, you know, he affects a lot of lives. His words affect a lot of lives. If he's telling, if he's telling his young, you know, young black men who look up to him that you don't have a goddamn chance because you're being hunted in the streets. That's a lie. You know, that's an absolute lie. You're giving false. You're giving, these are people that look up to him. So, you know, to say that, I mean, that's, that's crazy for you, Danny. I'm sorry to say that, um, I don't know. You know, not, that's, that's, that, 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 that's, I, I that's know. a little less important. That's a terrible message. I guarantee you he doesn't give that message to his kids at home because he's a great I wonder father. What that context and he tells is, them, Tony. And he uh, tell like, them. But Tony, I, I wonder what the context is because, you know, when it comes to, you know, uh, densely urban areas, uh, poor, like uh, the, uh, the projects of said city, Chicago, uh, you know, um, uh, Memphis off the top of my head. I mean, there's some really bad communities out there. You know, it's a, it's a, there are some very, very dangerous uh, communities, especially throughout the United States, obviously here in Canada as well. But I, I don't know if what you're thinking is that LeBron is saying that the white man is getting to, is uh, hunting blacks. I don't know if uh, what you, what exactly you're, uh, what you're, what you're. Yeah. yeah go, go read his tweets. I'm not insinuating anything. Go read his tweets. You can't even go out for a run, man. You're being hunted down. Come on, man. Like, come on. Well, okay. Now, so, now, so, okay, if, okay. If, so if wait you, a minute. So what, what is that? Uh, who is LeBron uh, referring to in terms of blacks being hunted? Is he referring to white police officers? 
I mean, or is he referring yes. to say, is he referring to, say, Ahmaud of course Aubrey? he is, of course he is, or, or white people only in general, let's say, right? Like mm-hmm. that particular tweet, he's talking about what happened to Ahmad Aubrey, right? Okay. So Ahmad Aubrey, in fact, actually did happen. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you can't really say it that it's a one-off. It's, 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 it's an isolated incident, guys, is the point. When you take a brush, when you take a brush and you paint it like that, all right, fine. <laughs> you know what? Let's end the discussion. Because when you take a brush and paint it and say, this is what it's like for everybody in this country, essentially, you're doing the same thing you hate that's happening to you. That's, you know, God, like, it's just... Well, uh, you know, it's it's something that seems so simple, but then it's just so difficult for some reason, because, you know, you're allowed to get away with the lie when nobody's challenging you on what you're saying. You know, can you give me facts on that? Do you have do you have anything to back that up? No, nobody's going to do that. Right. Because apparently apparently these things are less important. If we treated everything like what they are, individual incidents. I think we'd be a lot better off. Just saying, this is my opinion. No, and hey, so, so or, if somebody's taking a corner kick in a European game and getting bananas thrown at him because he's a black man, is that, isolated, is that an isolated incident that we should just ignore because it just happened once? Hell, or should Wayne, we, no, Wayne, Wayne Simmons or went through that. The Italian and, soccer Wayne. federation should get off his fucking ass and do something about these maniacs that are making life miserable That's, for the people that they're cheering on. But then when it comes to World Cup time, if Balotelli puts on the fucking Nazuri, then he's a hero. Otherwise, not, let's fucking I'm, lynch him in the streets. I'm not disagreeing that, with you at all. That's a problem. And that's why LeBron's talking about it. He's, he, he can't possibly talk in, in general terms. There's 7 billion people on the planet. Every incident is different. Everybody's worldview is different. But it feels like, and, and that's the perception, it feels like as a black man in America, and I'm not a black man in America, so I'm the worst person to be saying this. But if he's saying it, he must feel it. And he's not the only one saying it. So I, I, I tend to believe that it's true. And I know black people. I have black friends. You know, and, and oh, my God, I can't believe I just uttered those words. Uh, but and I mean that genuinely. Um, you know, I, I, I realize that I'm, the, I, I'm that type of person once I say I have black friends. But I've heard these stories firsthand of people that live in Toronto, people that live in Alliston. Ontario, who get pulled over for no reason, who get followed in community in, in convenience stores, um, and it's all part of a larger issue. So, if a guy like LeBron or Durant or Kyrie or anybody, I don't care who you are or what's how good you are an athlete, um, you know, LeBron's ego maybe is 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 fueling his ambition, but that's fine because I don't see generally what his message is is that to love everybody is being shot down with hate that he's the bad guy in all of this all he's saying is stop hurting one another right and 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 if he's a little bit egregious in one tweet or if he's not as factual in another i don't see that as being a problem to the general message that that he's trying to convey overall i've never heard him say stop hurting one another once might be a stronger message but anyway we could we could agree we could agree to disagree i mean it's it's you know i i understand that the stuff you talked about in europe the soccer uh, you know i get those things there's a problem at manchester united where you know apparently the man U fans are 
sending racist slur, racial slurs at Anthony Martial and Quinzavi after they have bad games. You know, there are solutions to all these problems. There's no question about it. There should be solutions to all these problems. The and Italian we're league, gonna leave it up to, to, to the Italian league. The, the fucking rich white guys who own the teams, or are we gonna allow the players who are living this to speak up and say their truths? I don't know why we have to shit on guys for saying, "Stop being mean to me." I stop being dude, mean to each other, dude. We're talking. I'm talking about one guy. I was talking about one guy who goes overboard with the narrative. I'm talking about one to, to cash in. His agenda is to cash in. Oh, I, well, uh, that's, you know, that's my, something that I think, uh, I don't know. My, if I can, uh, well, that's fine. That's well, fine. I mean, you know, uh, you know, the reality is also, uh, guys, that, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is something that's obviously very, a uh, very passionate topic with amongst the three of us. And I don't know if there is value to uh, having a solo episode on politics itself. And, uh, you know, uh, honestly, I, I think that uh, I think that this kind of conversation, I, like it's something that I really enjoy. I, re I really do like different opinions coming together to have a chat about it. Uh, I, I, I think it's great. I, I, I really do. So, uh, you know, Tony, I, I, I don't know I, if uh, are you. Did you who want was it? To add anything or who was it? Was it Wilfred Salah, Saha, uh, Crystal Palace player? Last week said he's no longer going to take a knee before the game. He, you know, he said, you know, I, I grew up. My parents taught me how to stand up and be proud of what I am and this and that. So therefore, all this, you know, all this theater shit that we're taking a knee, I'm not going to do that anymore. <clears throat> you know, but what he also said, Dan, is that we're, I'm just going to keep talking until something gets done. There's no question about it. You know, and here's another thing. If you got all these trolls on Instagram firing racial slurs off at players, why isn't it easy for the, these accounts to keep to get shut down and to find these people? You know, why is it why is it so easy to ban a sitting president of the United States for supposedly inciting a riot? But you you know these 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 big tech companies can't shut these bastards down. You know, there's another problem. There's another solution maybe you can work on. You know, I, there's a million different answers. I think there are people out there who actively want to see this stuff come to an end. But we get drawn back into this war all the time for a reason, for a reason, right? <clears throat> and if you don't see it, I'm sorry, but I do. Uh, with that's, that. But that, that. That's all I'll add. Okay. <laughs> that's all I had. Okay. So, uh, guys, uh, we just, uh, I'm just going to take a very small break, and uh, we're going to throw in a new segment uh, in uh, uh, after we come back. This is What's Up, the Sports Podcast. Back in a second. This is Randy Coure, and as we are starting to receive vaccinations for COVID-19, I hope you will continue to do everything possible to avoid spreading this deadly virus. We've come a long way. But by no means are we done yet, and I know it's hard not to see family and friends as this has been among us since early 2020. I just hope you and yours are doing well and maintaining a level of responsibility so we can get back to a normal way of life sooner rather than later. Take care.
We're back. What's up, the sports podcast? Dan Legere, Tony Antonio. I'm Randy Kure. And uh, here's a new segment that I have no clue if it's going to have any legs going forward. But uh, during our college days and our college uh, sports radio show, Dan led a rapid fire segment. Uh, he called What Up? It was a lot of fun uh, when uh, we uh, did that uh, segment. So I thought I'd bring it back to life. I'm going to call this segment story or non-story. So guys, I'm going to bring up a topic. Uh, you're going to tell me if it is worth talking about, if it is a story, or if this essentially is a, uh, a non-issue. So Dan, Kyrie Irving says Kobe Bryant should be the new logo of the National Basketball Association. Of course, uh, the current logo is of uh, former Laker great Jerry West. Dan, Kobe being the new logo of the NBA, story or non-story? <clears throat> story? I, I, I think it's great. Uh, you know, if, uh, if there's enough uh, buy-in from the league and from the, the owners or whoever else may be involved, I don't see the harm in it. Um, <clears throat> it's obviously playing on uh, you know, current feelings that I wonder you, you would think a guy like his, his legacy would stand the test of time like uh, Jerry West you know he was he was so great in his day that he's still uh, regarded and admired today and you would think the same thing for Colby and uh, I think it could be uh, a fitting tribute for one of the greats to ever do it. Yeah, Tony, I mean, as a MLS fan as yourself, you're a Toronto FC season seed holder. Of course, MLS uh, changed their logo uh, from what it was uh, to a couple of years ago uh, when they changed it to its current form. A, a logo to me is supposed to represent uh, its league and its product. And I don't think there's any better representation, especially these days, than Kobe Bryant. Yeah, that would be, I mean, the new shield, I guess. Maybe we... <laughs> I know it's terrible to say, but maybe let Jerry West die first before you do it. I don't know. Like, just let him have that that logo until hey, he doesn't have a lot of years left. He he, he, he it, did it, say it, he did say that he uh, wouldn't mind seeing a change. Like, he he would give. Yeah, I did hear him say that too. I listen. I think it's a good idea. I, I have no problem with it. I think Colby. Um, it, I mean, I don't know how happy LeBron James will be about that, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm good with Kobe. He was he was a warrior, and uh, it was a tragic death. And and again, the situation of a guy who, you know, might not have been viewed as the nicest guy in the world while he was playing, but uh, you saw you saw the human side of him after he retired, and and there was a lot of things to love about the guy. Um, I mean, I loved him during his career, but. I think it would be a very good fitting um, tribute for sure. So speaking of Kobe, uh, Tony, uh, Vanessa Bryan has called out rapper Meek Mill for lyrics involving Kobe Bryant and specifically the helicopter crash that killed him. Meek Mill uh, said in one of his songs, and I quote, yeah, and if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper, it be another Kobe. Uh, Vanessa Bryant took to uh, criticize Meek Mill on social media. Tony, story or non-story? Um, story for the Bryant family. That's terrible. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just horrible. Dan, I guess, I guess what my uh, question and why I brought this up is that, uh, you know, you think about in terms of freedom of speech and, uh, this is obviously something that does garner a lot of attention 
if you are a singer, uh, that is something that you do want to do. Uh, is this something that uh, goes against, I guess, uh, freedom of expression, the uh, right to say whatever you want? It's, it's in poor taste, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, and I said this to somebody earlier today, who gives a shit, right? It's, 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 it's kind of is a non story. I feel um, unsympathetic saying it's a non story, but like Tony kind of said it where it's a story to that man because it's personal hurt for them. Otherwise, it's just some idiot saying something that nobody's going to remember. So, you know, just. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Dan, just to let you know, your mic uh, kind of is cutting off there. I don't, I don't know if there's an issue there, but uh, sorry. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we could get that. Uh, Did you get the central uh, central thesis there, which was who gives a shit about Meek Mill and his and his lyrics? Yeah, you sound, I did. You, you sound like you should be on Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> As, uh, oh, I think we're, I think we're getting better. Yeah. So uh, very quickly. Uh, uh, Dan, we'll uh, end it off with uh, Mike Babcock. He has agreed to coach the University of Saskatchewan men's hockey team. Some say it is an attempt to uh, get back in the NHL. Uh, U Sports and uh, university hockey in this country doesn't really have a lot of legs, but it is Mike Babcock who has led uh, teams to the Stanley Cup, who has led this country to gold medals. Uh, Dan, Mike Babcock coaching U Sports. Is that a story or a non story? Uh, it's a story. You know, just like uh, Tiger Woods, if, if you want to draw that analogy, where the guy who, who was, you know, at the pinnacle at, at one point, he was, he was the coach's coach. He, he was the guy everybody wanted to be. He was the guy who the Leafs had to send a private jet to to get him to. You know, not signed with Buffalo in a sort of uh, a secretive way to get him to sign a ten-year contract, and the fan base was ecstatic when when they did. Um, you know, and now he's kind of fallen out of favor because um, players who fans like better don't like him, and they are taking the player's side. Um, it'll be interesting to see how history remembers Babcock, where a guy like Scotty Bowman, although more accomplished as a coach, by all regards, was hated by his players. One, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to get a read on him, but you know, same thing where you know, he, he, he's not that president that we talked about earlier, who makes everybody feel part of the team and you know, really unifies the squad for one common goal. Right? They're really egotistical. They're really self-centered and stubborn in their own ways. But you know, through uh, through any means necessary, they seem to win. So. And Babcock's resume speaks for itself. Um, so we'll see. Maybe he could make a triumphant return and take the Saskatchewan. Are they the Huskies? I yeah, they're, they're the, the Huskies. Huskies yeah. Or, something like yeah. that. <laughs> or you know, maybe, maybe they go on some crazy you know, three-year unbeaten streak. Uh, you know, He's given a chance to, you know, I don't know, makes his way back to the OHL and back up. It could be a good story. But I, my, my inkling is telling me that this is his retirement spot. It's where he's from. I'm sure he still has family there. Uh, he's still living off the MLSC teat for a little, little, little bit longer, <laughs> right? He's got a lot of money in the bank, so there's no there's no, there's no need for him to you know, um, again, I don't know his finances, but you know, generally speaking, I think he'll just uh, he'll just settle into this 
maybe become the coach Katie of uh, college hockey sports. Uh, Tony, very quickly, uh, what do you think? I, I, do you think uh, Babcock could resurface in the NHL if uh, he does have a successful run in U sports? Uh, I think he'll resurface back in the NHL, even if he doesn't have a successful run in U sports. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be on this job. You know, it's really up to him because he's uh, he's doing okay right now, money-wise, which is why it's a volunteer position. Some people think he's trying to get his son into coaching or one of his kids into coaching, which is why he took that job to kind of help groom um, his kid. But uh, listen, he had the I'm not a bad guy Zoom session tour on TSN and Sportsnet last week mm-hmm. um, to kind of clear the air. And, um, you know, I think people wanted to see that you know, he, he has a reputation to uh, repair because his departure from Toronto was a loud one and it wasn't good. Um, and so he realizes that there has to be some sort of reflection on his part. Uh, I'm not sure he achieved it, to be honest, <laughs> during his interview sessions last week. Um, he was defiant for the most part, not sorry for much. But, I, I, you know, I think when push comes to shove and a team needs that kind of presence, um, to get them over the hump, um, he'll be hired. I don't know when, but uh, he'll be hired. That, that's his objective. I mean, he's, he's an ego. When you're a coach, you, you have an ego. He's an egomaniac, and he wants another shot. Dano, what do you think? Uh, do you think I did a good job compared to how you uh, ran the table when you led what up? I think you carried yourself uh, in a way that Jim Carr would be proud of. <laughs> Jim Carr would be proud. Jim Carr, former uh, program coordinator. <laughs> I actually had a conversation with him a couple of months ago. I did a Zoom call with him. Jim, if you are listening, which I'm pretty sure you're not, but uh, you uh, you gave us a great passion in terms of uh, broadcasting. And uh, 15 years after we uh, left Seneca College, here we are, the three of us, uh, want to be broadcasters, uh, but still able to uh, project our voice uh, throughout the world on any of uh, your favorite podcatchers, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, couldn't do without uh, my two guys, Tony Antonio, Dan Legere. Thank you so much as always. Bye forever, guys. It's probably my last time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Definitely not. So Take on care. behalf of uh, Tony and Dan, I am Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time.